You are now, now, now tuned into Progressive Action Radio, the most objective show in America. Hosted by Tramel Thompson, co-hosted by Jamel Wilson, and DJ Damage is on the wheels of steel. You will never know what to expect when thoughts and wisdom unite. People, get ready. ready, ready. Progressive Action is now live. We're talking about a, a job that has dangers, and I don't think that's uh, realized sometimes in negotiations. Um, and what's going to be your different approach this time around? Right. So this time around, the organization that we have on the ground uh, among rank and file transit workers is much stronger than it was uh, in 2012. Uh, we have uh, been doing a lot of organizing. Uh, in the seven years that I've been president, both internal organizing and external organizing, uh, we have no intention uh, in, of, in this round of bargaining of making any kind of public pronouncement that there won't be a strike deadline set. Uh, we're going to go back to the more traditional Transport Workers Union Local 100 model of establishing a deadline. That'll that'll be that that deadline will be the product of a discussion with our executive board, which hasn't happened yet. The negotiations won't begin till November. But we do expect it to be a very different type of negotiation. This is the former president, MTA, Joe Loder. It got to a point where they didn't know what to do. So in 19 separate times, they said, you know what? We're not coming to the table. You can't negotiate with somebody who's not willing to come to the table. What do you say, not know what to do? I mean, I don't, I, I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not sure that the leadership of the Transit Workers Union knows how to negotiate a contract. They, the, the, the president of the Transit Workers Union right now has never negotiated a contract in his life. And the reality is, I don't think he knows how to do it. He won't listen to his advisors. He won't listen to any of the attorneys that are involved. There are road, there's a roadmap to getting it done. You need to have a willing party. I was a willing party any time of the day and night. I would plead with John Samuelson. I would text him messages. It's time to, it's time to get to the table. You are not. Wow. Start the show off like that, cuz. What's going on? Everything is good, man. How you have the former um, MTA president tell you you don't know how to negotiate a contract? I don't know. I would feel very offended behind that. If I was a true trade, if I was a true trade unionist, ahead of a local like like TWU Local One Hundred, I would be offended. Especially to hear that from a member of the MTA, the head of the MTA. Yeah, you know, Samuelson. You know what I noticed? We've been sending emails to Samuelson. Or the president of Local 100 and ask him to come on the show. I just realized something. The president was on the show. Steve Downs. Steve Downs, right. Steve Downs is the president of, of TW Local 100. Nick Bedell is number two in charge. And Samuelson is just the face. Right. You know what I'm saying? He don't know how to negotiate no contracts. This coming. This ain't me saying it. It's the president. <laughs> it's coming from Joe Loder. Yeah, it's coming from Joe Loder. And, and, like, and like I said before, those bikes, do it look like Samuelson ride bikes? No. And the sad thing is, if he said that Samuelson doesn't know how to negotiate a contract, you're not just talking about TA and OA's contract. You're talking about MTA bus and all the other contracts that he would be responsible for negotiating. Samuelson is, is he's number three in charge. It's Nick Bedell, uh, 
Steve Downs, and mm-hmm. then it, and then it's Samuelson. Of course. So the the president already came on to the show. Shout out to Steve Downs. That's right. The president of <laughs> Local One Hundred. That's right. That two Broadway. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't I don't take nothing away from Steve Downs for coming on here. You know, he was a trooper for doing that. You know. Yeah, and you know these guys got me banned again. Really? Yeah. On, on Facebook. I mean, I'm back, but they got me banned again. But banned for what? I mean, did you put a picture of them up there naked or something like that? Nah. I, I mean, I I put up facts. And for some reason, the um, the PSB, he um, you know, got me deleted. So basically, you put up facts, we put up facts, and that's the equivalent of you putting up a naked picture of them. Yeah, the PSB got me deleted again, man. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, for oh those who don't know, the PSB is the punk stuttering bitch. I'm not calling him by his name again. I that's what he is, punk little girl. Yeah, little girl, man, getting me banned for for. For facts, you can't get rid of the progressiveaction.info, though. I keep telling you that. <laughs> no matter how hard you try, you can't get rid of it. Well, they all need to learn that, you know? Yeah, they little girls. And you know what? Joe Loder saying that on New York One, because that's where that uh, soundbite came from, New York One. For him to go in there and say that, that means that, uh, all, you know, all of these people basically, you know, see who he is. And they know that they could get away with what they get away with in the, you know, in, in the MTA. So I don't know, man. You know, I think we're doomed. Do you think we're doomed? No, nah, I don't think we're doomed. Yeah? No, nah, not with us around. Or not with progressive action nah, nah, around, they right? Go, they're going to have to act right. Oh, okay. I'm turning it up now. Oh, yeah. Definitely Th- thanks for the PSB. Oh, yeah. Definitely yeah. going to turn it up. Yeah, yeah. But um, who we got here today? Well, on tonight's show, we have Mr. Mike Staten and we have Ms. Shauna Robinson. We have Mr. Mike Staten of, of RTO. He's a, a conductor by title with 25 years on the job. And we also have Ms. Shauna Robinson, also a conductor by title with 11 years on the job in transit in total, who is a, right now a current sitting member of the executive board of Local 100. Mike and Shauna, good evening. Let everybody know who you are. Ladies first. <laughs> Ladies first. Ladies first. Hello, That's how everybody. we do it. How y'all doing tonight? They ain't going to say nothing back to you, Shauna. Let them I, I mean, I know they, they got to know it's me, Shauna. <laughs> well, yeah, it ain't hip-hop, girl. You know what I'm happy to be here. Happy to be here. Um, like he said, 11 years on the job, six years in, as a cleaner, a station cleaner, actually, and um, five years as a train conductor. And this is my first election seat on the e-board, so... That's very yes. important. We got somebody on the e-board here today. Yeah, the e-board is very important because that's the Congress of our union. The legislative. The legislative um, yeah. branch. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And Mr. Staten. That's right. What's going on, bro? Good evening. It's great to be here. Um, I'm just uh, glad to be here, uh, listening to the show. And uh, it's just good to be out here. Just to let your listeners know, um, I am a conductor. I've been with the transit for 20, almost 25 years now. Been a conductor 21 of those years. Uh, I was a past elected officer for about 10 years with the local, uh, serving from 97 through 2000 as a vice chairman for the A division. And from 2001 to 2003, I served on the executive board. And then the preceding three years after that, from 2004 through 2006, I was the division chair for the Conductor Tower Division. 
All right, that's a that's a pretty impressive uh, resume you got there, sir. You know, I feel good. This is the first RTO show, so I feel like I'm at home. Well, it's the second RTO show. Who? Because remember, Crystal Young and Belinda Pete came for the very for that, the very first premiere show. That is true. Yeah. That is true. But I feel that this is the first RTO show. You know what I mean? This is the first RTO show for me. We go get the truth. Wow. I don't think we go get any no comments. I plead the fifth. I mean, we ain't here for that tonight. Well, I feel good. I mean, listen, you know, we're all union TWU members, but this is a RTO night. So basically, you know, I know you're you can ask all the questions you want tonight. You ain't got to ask me now. Oh, okay. (laughs) I hear that. So what's going on, Shauna? I want to know what's going on with this MTA. uh, I mean, TWU executive board. What goes on at these meetings? And what does an executive officer do? Um. The meetings are, how would I explain it? Well, being that this is my first, first time being an, on the executive board, I really can't judge or not judge, but it's, it's a learning experience for me. And right now I'm in the process of trying to, I don't feel like I have a lot of support when it comes down to other members. I don't, I don't really know a lot of the other members on the executive board. It's just maybe one person that I know that I used to work with, um, Robert, uh, I'm not gonna say his name, but it's Robert. And he's new also on the executive board. So I'm in the process of learning the ins and the outs of being an executive board member. I understand that it is a very important position it's not something to be played with, but I, I don't want to sit there and fall right into place with every, everybody else. Just to say, I agree, I agree, I agree. If it's something that I don't understand, something I need clarity on, because we vote on issues in the executive board meetings. And those votes are very important. Um, so to say, basically, we sit there, we are addressed by the president of the local. Um, he explains certain situations or issues that's plaguing the membership at that point in time. He talks about um, contracts, uh, negotiations, things like that. And then we vote on certain issues, for certain things. Well, let me ask you this. This is a contract year. Has it been any contract talk so far? Um, not as of yet. No. What, what have you heard so far? What been going on? We are uh, like six months into the year. What kind of talk have been going on at these e-board meetings? Well, we, we've talked about contracts. We talked about the Liberty Line contract. Um, a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, I wouldn't say that. We've been, well, how, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. It hasn't been anything said about TWU, the local, the membership, transit authority. We haven't discussed anything well, when it a, comes down to uh, this up and coming contract. That hasn't even been mentioned. We haven't talked about it. He hasn't said he plans on doing this, this, that, or the other. We talk about other entities such as. Um, like I said, again, the Liberty Lines, little the bike share, we talked about them. We haven't spoke about, we haven't talked about our members yet. So, I'm, st- I'm still waiting for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'd like to know is, 
um, when the when the executive board meetings do commence, mm-hmm. how long do the meetings last? Uh, a meeting can last one to two hours, a little longer. Um, being an, I guess we're so new into the the year and the new election, we've been we've been occupied with uh, Friedrich's case. So we had a presentation that was done on Friedrich's. When? Um, I believe that was in March. I I think it was March. Why would they worry? I didn't bring my I didn't bring my records. Why would it was that either be? February or March. It was early on in the year we were discussing the Supreme Court case with uh, Friedrichs and. Uh, yeah, we know about it. The California right, case. California, right? Exactly. Um, that was that took about two to three hours. Then we did uh, Bernie Sanders. You guys know Bernie came down and and we endorsed Bernie Sanders. That also took a couple of hours, um, but. I guess it's between two to three hours a meeting hmm. that I've I've experienced. I so mean, far. <laughs> I don't think that I don't so think that's far. going to change. So far, <laughs> I don't know what's going to change about it. Right. Uh, you know these 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 Ebo. I'm surprised that he haven't talked about a contract yet. I'm he's waiting. He's waiting for November for a contract that's done already. I'm just waiting for him to tell y'all that the contract is already done. Well, and, I'm hoping they're I'm hoping they're in talks with how they want to approach this. This is so important. Um, just because he hasn't brought it to the attention of the e-board doesn't mean that it's not happening. He could be in, giving him the benefit of the doubt. He could be in the process of talking to his advisors and going over what it is that they want to present to management when the time comes. Well, yeah. If he hasn't drawn up his presentation or his plan he wouldn't bring that to the e-board unless he's ready for us to vote on it if he's not ready for us to vote on it then you know it's not he's not going to talk to us about it did you hear the clip i played in the beginning of the show yeah i heard (laughs) he said that he's not doing anything until november right and and basically his advisors (laughs) like we said is nick bedell and steve downs yeah those those are Actually, yeah, he's that's those, that's his advisors. Those are his his advisors when yeah. it comes to a lot of stuff in the union. Everything, everything, basically, yeah, everything. You know? everything. So uh, <laughs> you know, this is it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And then now you're talking about uh, has has anything come up at the e-board meeting about these new people that are being taken on, that are being thrown in the ma- in the map store division, the computer programmers and and whatnot in the union that they have now. No. I haven't heard anything about that. You haven't heard anything about that? Yeah, I believe it's on, it's on the union website. Yeah, I've I seen it. Yeah, about the computer. And they're being thrown in the map. St- Funny enough, they're being thrown in the map store division, which is the non-civil service division. Okay. And also, um, from what I understand, you know, again, it's all about him being elected. You know, um, it's, it's kind of like when you see in these mob movies where the mobsters, you know, the people who were the head of the cartel or whatever, they don't want things to be traced back to them. So what they do is their way of tying up, of disconnecting loose ends is whacking people, knocking people off. Mm. So basically what's going on here is, okay, let's throw these bunch of people here in this division so that I can continue to get the votes. Because when you're scared that you're not going to get the votes of a certain division, now you do things to tie up those ends and make sure you get those votes. Yeah. Well, Mike, let me ask you a question. Sure. The way Sean is describing what's going on on the e-board, do you agree with how the president is directing these meetings? Being um, that it's a contract, yeah. Well, 
according to the local bylaws, um, you can't actually start nego your negotiations until the, between 70, the 75th and 100th day of the expiration of your contract. That is really the timeline or the, the official window in which, you know, you start negotiations. But that doesn't take away from a lot of the preparation work that you may need to do going into a contract year. A lot of times, you know, I, I always kind of look at as contracts, and I think this is somewhat of our training, you know, uh, and our conditioning when, when Toussaint was president, was we, we always viewed and looked at contracts as a, as a struggle in terms of wills, in terms of whose will is, will prevail in the, uh, in the bargaining process. And a lot of times you, you want to make sure that you do all of your preparation and, and, and lay out all your groundwork before you actually go into battle. So that by the time, you know, when the contract actually comes up to play, it's a matter of whose will is going to prevail when it comes to getting, getting your ideals put across. And if they see that you come to the table strong and that, and that your people are ready and that you did all the preparation beforehand, then usually you come out successful in those, in those rounds of bargaining. Yeah, so now the thing that's very important that you said that you brought up the um, bylaws, when does he start mobilizing the people? Because he did say that he's not going to rule out a strike and there's nothing in the bylaws or the contract or anywhere that says that when you should start or shouldn't start mobilizing your people. Right. Um, there, there's really no, no specific time frame in, when, in terms of when you should start mobilizing your people. I mean, generally speaking, if you're coming into a contract year, you want to be you want to be be having little mobilizations and different actions all throughout that year, so that when you lead in like so when you get into the the last three months before the expiration, then you want to start to ratchet up the intensity. Yeah. So yeah. so because when the negotiations actually take place, and that's when you'll actually be in the different bargaining sessions around the table. Some some cases are uh, you know bargaining. Uh, each week uh, for whatever different items you, you know you're looking for yeah. and, that, and it's at that time when actually two sides will actually uh, exchange proposals bargaining proposals and so forth but all the other preparation work that takes place can be done you know long before the actual negotiations take place yeah. I mean the only thing they've probably done Samuelson that I've seen so far is just simply put out these uh, these surveys you know, which I sort of kind of call a wish list. Oh, what would you like? What, what is the kind of... You call that a wish list? <laughs> you, in, <laughs> in many cases, yeah, that's, that's what it is. It's a wish list. It's a, it, that was the bull, <laughs> bullshit list. <laughs> it wasn't nothing wishful about that. Yeah. Like, why would you put contract, anything about, I mean, pension stuff in the contract demand sheet. Who are you trying to rev up? The, the tier six people? You know what I'm saying? Mm, it, right. like, to, me, to me, that whole thing was was BS and it, it come to find out it was put out it was put together by the education department of TWU Nick Bedell, Nick Bedell and, yeah. and his team who never worked for MTA so how can you tell us what's the demand and then you look on that contract demand sheet it says everything can't be one how can you tell a, a person how to think or what's important to them what if three things is important to me everything can't be one what if all of them is important to me how you gonna tell me that all of them can't be one and in actuality when you put, you're not supposed. It's illegal for you to put pension demands on a, in a contract negotiation. All of that stuff. I mean, you can ask the MTA 
to support legislation. Yeah. But other than that, that's all you can do. No, but they was trying to rile up the members because actually what happened was Crystal was was um, handing out papers at Stillwell, and it was a it was a table full of uh, uh, co uh, the coworkers, and I asked them. I said, do y'all, what y'all filling out this paper for? What y'all checked out was most important? They said pension. I said, well, you do know that no pension talk is going to be going down at this, this contract, um, these contracts. They said, what, what do you mean? And I said, you know, Crystal explained to them. And she looked at me like, well, you explained to them because I, I don't think that she knew. You know what I'm saying? So I explained to them and they was like, yo, you know, wow, I didn't know this. And, and then Crystal started explaining to the new people was like oh look no contract no pension stuff is going to be going down but this is what i tell you about the the um the education of some of these people that's elected is is more popularity than issues and then that's when you start having you know problems because you did you run for that same position uh which position was that i mean the chair no i ran in the last election i ran for vice president of the department Oh, vice president so i that's the higher Right, because yeah. because he held a position, he held the chair position. Yeah, already. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can hold it again, right? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. There's know. there's nothing that prohibits you from holding uh, an office, you know, more than one term. Well, let me ask you this, Mike. What do you think about the RTO representation in the union? Ooh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shauna, we gonna ask you the same thing because you're on the inside. I don't know if we even have enough time in the show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think I, I think um, you know I'll make some probably real general remarks and then I can you know I can kind of really be specific but I just think overall I think the union has really gotten away uh, when you see the leadership now there's no real fight uh, it just seems like management has the upper hand and they just continually you know will pounce on our members and and you just, you don't really see any real fight. You know, I see a level of apathy over the membership, you know, and it just seems as though when you go down to, to Broadway, it's just, okay, you know, how much more punishment can they, can they measure out? Um, and I think it's, it's just translated to the members over the year that they feel a sense where they've been beaten down. And, um, and it's translated in terms of how the officers uh, go about uh, doing their work. A lot of times, I, you know, just for example, I mean, I've spent a number of years, you know, in terms of doing cases, everything from the lower levels all the way to arbitration. And I see how some of these members will go into cases and hearings with very little preparation. Uh, there's no real investigation that goes on. Uh, nothing goes out into the field in terms of investigating cases. And a good portion of whether you win or lose your case is going to be dependent upon how you prepare and do your investigation. So you're saying that the union rep should do the do investigation also? Of course. Uh, just as management, you know, when they have a situation, an incident, and they have their labor relations people, their management people that do investigations, you know, they have members write G2s, they... They may, they may even go out to the scene, try to recreate a situation. If you have a, something faulty in terms of the equipment, you know, they'll try to recreate the scene. And, and I think, uh, you know, the union has to, you know, do its job as well. 
I mean, I can, I can probably remark on a case that I did some years ago. Uh, it was, the case went to arbitration. The member had, it was a train operator. He had a, he was predisciplinary suspended. And he was coming through a particular area where they had e event recorders. And um, he, came, he came up on one signal, uh, a home signal. And, and that was sort of like an approach signal that brought him to the next home signal where he would get his route. And so basically the first signal was clear for him, but the second signal wasn't. So they had written him up. Um, and they basically said, well, you know, there's no way you could have uh, you could have had the first signal because that first signal shouldn't have shouldn't have cleared and you would have been able to make it without going all the way through through the second signal. And so they wrote him up, brought him up on dismissal. And uh, he was predisciplinary suspended. By the time I finished the case and the hearing was completed, it was about seven and a half months later. Uh, Throughout that time, I actually went down onto the tracks, utilizing track lighting and so forth, and coming down there with a, with a video camera, just so I can actually, uh, you know, get a sense of the scene. And, and the TA, they proffered a, they proffered a theory of, of how the case, they thought the case uh, uh, should have went. And... And I had a, a view in which I kind of came against that. And uh, when it came time to get ready to introduce the, uh, the videotape of the scene, you know, the TA lawyer, he got up and just protested, oh, no, 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 you know. But to make a long story short, uh, we actually prevailed with the case. The member, the member uh, got all charges dismissed with full back pay. And, uh, and like I said, he was out for about seven months and three weeks. But I know that none of that would have probably been possible if I hadn't taken the time to do the proper investigation, speak to who I needed to speak to, go down to the scene. A lot of times, you, you know, that's the only way you're going to really get at the truth is if you go to the scene, the heart of the matter. Yeah, of course. I, yeah, totally. See, and that's important that he said that because, you know, Toussaint used to send people home that's for right. not having on, you know, at least boots. You know what I mean? I look at, I, I observe, you know what I'm saying? I look at what they have on and things like that. They got on sneakers. I don't know if they going, they want to go onto the tracks or, or play tennis. I mean, I mean, we had a situation <laughs> just, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that, but we had a situation uh, about two weeks ago. Um, uh, uh, this was actually the same day that they did a family day at uh, MCU Park. Did you go? No, I was, I was working that day. Okay. So I, we was actually working a particular job. Um, they have this particular shutdown on the Geralaman tube on the uh, IRT. And so on, on certain weekends, they've been doing work there because they're doing a lot of work through that tube. And so that particular weekend, they had the... Uh, the service shut down going into the tube, so if folks wanted to uh, get into Brooklyn, customers, they had to use the, the, uh, the west side, the two or the three line to get into Brooklyn. So they had no, you know, no four or five service going into Brooklyn. But in any event, we had a situation where they were asking the members, management was asking members to do something and perform work that was unsafe. 
the member had called the union rep on Saturday, got no response. Which union rep? Uh, it was it was Crystal Young. Okay. Uh, called Miss Young. He left a message, and uh, he got no response. Got no text back. Now the member had a you know issue because he, he needed a a safety dispute resolution form executed. You know because of some of the things that they were asking or requiring members to do, that was in violation of the rules. Uh, you know she subsequently you know I guess text me uh, I guess later that that Monday that week that uh, there was a problem with her phone. That's why she wasn't <laughs> able to. Uh, she didn't get the call. So on the Sunday, I actually worked the same job. And I called the uh, control center, and I asked control center for the union rep that's on call, on response. And so they told me it was uh, Danny Hay was on call. So I told him, I said, I need him to get in contact with me, and I'll be here at uh, Bowling Green. So eventually he, um, uh, when one of my uh, co-workers had came down to my work area, because I was actually uh, uh, scheduled to work on the work train that day, and he came down to get me. He says, Mike, he said, the rep is here. He's at the terminal. He says, but I don't know how much good he's going to be. So I said, what do you mean? He said, he don't have on any, you know, no boots. He got on sneakers. Wow. I says, okay. So I went over you know, walked over, he, you know, held my spot down, and I went over to Bowling Green to talk to him. And sure enough, when I got there, he had on sneakers, he didn't have any vests, no helmet, so he wasn't in any position to even walk down onto the track. Let me ask you a question. I don't want to be funny. Was the sneakers in good condition? Uh, <laughs> they, they was in fairly good condition, yeah. They was a pair of uh, Chuck Taylors. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he, had, he had no intentions of working. Of course not. <laughs> So, uh, so when I when I saw him, I says, Danny, I says, uh, I mean, I thank you for coming, but I said, you ain't, you're not of any use to me. You can't do anything because where I need you, I need you to go down on the tracks and execute, you know, a safety dispute resolution for him. I said, I can't do it because I'm working another detail, but the members need somebody there that can execute this form and execute it properly. So I tried to give him as much detail in terms of uh, what was taking place. And, you know, he basically said, okay, I have to take this back to, to uh, the VP, the Crystal, and, you know, and see what they were going to do about it subsequently. But the whole time, you know, we had to endure this without getting any real resolution to the problem. Wow. So basically, Matt, um, you know, getting back to what you were talking about a few minutes ago, where management basically feels that they could do whatever they feel like it sometimes, you know, because examples of that is when uh, Tremel was livid and talking about what they did at Stillwell when they posted up people's uh, Dan's yes. and, 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 they, and, they, and they put a black marker over the people's information, but they still put it up trying to send a message to say this is what's going to happen if, this is, if you do this. And then also people getting written up for... Um, he was telling me a story on a midnight about a, a, a conductor who closed down that the, they were supposed to have, like the doors be partially open in the terminal. Mm -hmm. But what he did was he closed down first and then opened allegedly, it up. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay, allegedly that that's what happened. So the guy had to answer, um, he had to answer charges, right? Yeah, but he just took a re-instruction. But the thing that happened at Stillwell, it's mighty funny that you say that because the same person... <laughs> who got the partial doors thing actually called me and was like, 
yo, the union came down here and um, they just negotiated to wipe out more information and so management could put it back up. So I said, what union rep agreed to that? He said, Crystal is here. I said, Crystal agreed to that? So I called Crystal and I'm on my way to Stillwell because she told me they was down. So I said, all right, somebody lying here. So I get to Stillwell. It's before I go sign in, I see the board, learn from others with the, with the incident reports back up. He said, Crystal, they back up here. But they were so upset with Crystal because they're like, what kind of negotiation did she do with management to say, you know, it's a right for you to take, uh, put it up there, but just get rid of some more information. How can you <laughs> negotiate with the person that's oppressing the workers? You know what I'm saying? That, that's not, that's not negotiate. That's, you don't negotiate that. You know what I'm saying? And then in order to have, you know, certain positions in these unions, you got to have natural activism in you. You have to have natural fight. You getting votes is not going to help you or give you the power to fight. You know what I'm saying? And then you learning on the job. People don't got time for you to learn on the job. People's jobs are on the line most of the time. So, so the thing with that is this is what happens when popularity puts you in position versus you handling issues or you know really knowing the rule book or, or anything like that. I, I, like I told her, I said, look, I applaud you that you went from high school to the NBA, but some people need to experience college first because when you get to the NBA and you failed, they go send you to Europe or you, you'll never play basketball again. You only get one shot at this. And I don't think that, you know, to be honest, you know, I speak to her from time to time, not a lot, but I get more phone calls about her not picking up her phone with excuses than her actually handling issues. And I feel that that's very unfortunate for the people in, in RTO, namely, you know, conductors, tower operators, you know, people, uh, you know, tracks and, and things like that. You know what I'm saying? Because, and Shauna, y'all had a, you know, a situation going on with y'all platform thing. Yeah, we did. It was a, a it was an incident where um, platform controllers is um, somewhat of a new program that they have implemented, mm -hmm. where they have conductors on the platform. They have specialized vests that um, allow them to stand out from just doing a regular platform job. Talking about the blue vest, right? The blue vest yeah. they have. Uh, you see them at. Lexington, 53rd Street, you see them at Queens Plaza, various locations, in any case. It turned out that uh, Platform Controllers has four slots for extra list controllers. Those controllers are there to replace the regular jobs. They have regular platform jobs. I believe they're in the 800, 800 series. And they have four extra list controllers. The extra list controllers basically like extra list, however, it's a pick job. It's not extra. Extra, when you pick extra, ex regular extra list, you have extra list north or extra list south. Mm -hmm. Platform controllers are different. When you pick extra list platform controller, it should be <laughs> either Queens Plaza or Broadway Junction. Those are the two locations for the platform controllers to sign in. However, it states, if there is no platform work available for the extra list controllers, that means if everybody come into work, all the platform controllers are there, 
Everybody is accounted for mm-hmm. at both locations. Mm-hmm. You are subjected to the road. Okay. That was not the case. Um, there were positions where people who picked platform controllers were out on comp for long amounts of time. Some were out sick. And the crew office were filling those positions with people from the extra, extra list. Like regular extra, extra? Exactly. So where they was getting their vest from? Or they was they didn't wear a vest. They didn't have a vest. Okay. They didn't pick the job. You only get a vest when you, you pick, pick the, the job. job. Okay. Exactly. So, so basically the, what you're saying is that the extra, extra people was filling in the jobs by the crew office and taking away jobs from y'all. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. They were placing extra, extra lists and extra lists and people on restriction in those positions and they were sending the people who picked extra list platform controller to the road. Wow. So what happened? Y'all contacted the union? Well, um, let me start off by saying this. Um, When I ran for executive board, I ran supporting Joe Campbell Mm -hmm. and Mike. Okay. I did not run supporting John Samuelson. I did not run supporting Crystal Young, Kia Poole. I didn't run supporting any of them. Um, Any any specific reason why? Sure. I believe in Joe Campbell. I know Joe Campbell would have and will be, hopefully he'll run again, a great president for the local. And I believe in Mike. The experience they have... um, just how to handle certain situations. That's what we need right now. Yeah. We, we really don't need people that's going to go in front of management and bow down, putting your head between your legs, letting these people get away with whatever they say, you know, is best for us as the membership. It, this is, uh, uh, in my opinion, we're in a critical, critical time right now, especially RTO. Yeah, I agree. Know, so. I agree. Um, so that being said, after the election, I went in with the members at the top of my priority list. Mm-hmm. That's meaning I have to work with these people. The members on the e-board or? or no, the, the members in general. All right. The, all right. the conductors, the okay. station agents, the car cleaners, everybody. Yeah. We are TWU Local 100. So being that I did not run with them doesn't mean I'm not going to work with them. Because Correct. my priority is to make sure that the members get what they need. Correct. That's, that's understandable. That's the bottom line. So when it came down to the issue with the platform controller, I went in, I spoke to Kia first. I tried to explain to him what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, he heard me out. That was it. He just heard me out. He didn't, he didn't do anything. He responded by saying it is a new position if we go to management and start complaining, they're going to eliminate the job. He, so he basically bowed down before well, no, even doing anything. He let it be clear to me that this is a possibility. They can actually cut this job at any point in any time. He, it sounds like he just didn't want to handle it. Proactive bowing down, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, well. yeah he, he, it sounds like he didn't want to handle it. All right, what was your next... What was your next um, action? Well, that went on for at least a month, two months. It got to a point to where a coworker of mine, um, she was also on the extra list. She was actually 
the last person on the list. So being that she was the last person on the list, she got the bulk of the treatment, the beat down, so to speak. <laughs> um, they started sending her to the road. They sent her to pick up a job at Coney Island Yard, four o'clock in the morning. We would report to Queens Plaza. She would come to Queens Plaza. The dispatcher at Queens Plaza would tell her, oh, you picked up a job at Parsons. Oh, you picked up a job at Continental. And it got to a point to where every day she was being sent to the road. And I tried to explain to Kia what was happening to this young lady because I felt like contractual-wise, it wasn't right. Correct. She picked platform controller. It turned out that they were putting people in the open platform jobs and they were sending this young lady to the road. Yeah. So he didn't make any moves on that. I don't know if he spoke to Crystal about it or not, but um, ultimately later on down the line, me and Crystal had a conversation. Okay. And I explained to her what was going on. And I gave the young lady Crystal's name and her number, and Kia, by the way. She had a conversation with the both of them. It didn't go the way we had hoped for it to go. Mm-hmm. And the, the treatment just continued. They got to a point where they were sending me to the road. I also was a platform controller. I would get to work 5.30 a.m. Queens Plaza. They would tell me I picked up a job at Stillwell. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. So so now real quick, can you explain to everybody what a platform controller is and exactly what what it is that their duties entail? Okay, a platform controller, you, you are positioned at a certain location on a platform. Okay. You're supposed to signal the conductor on the train when it is safe for them to close down. Um, you're also supposed to uh, help with, say, for instance, you have a sick customer on a train. If a train comes into a terminal and it is reported to the conductor that there is a sick, cu- a sick passenger on a train, we don't want the conductor to leave his or her position. If there's platform controllers on the platform, it is our job to go to that customer and to talk to that customer and con- you know contact control center and let them know if this person is able to be taken off the train or if they have to have medical attention brought to them. If they are able to be um, brought off the train, um, we don't technically by rule, you're not supposed to touch the customer. But if they're able to walk off on their own, we'll sit on a platform with that customer until um, help comes, until the police or EMS or fire department, whoever gets there first, in order for the conductor to be able to close down and leave the station without having to stay there his yeah, or herself. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. You know. See, now, it was crazy. See, Kia gave a, a bullshit excuse. First of all, MTA is not going to create jobs just to make people happy. They go create jobs for, for their benefit, for their benefit first, first and foremost. It's a safety thing while platform yeah. controllers is there. So why would kids say we wouldn't want management to take away the, the job? They didn't give us that as no, they ain't throw us no bone. No, no. And not only that, it's also, it's also it's um, put fools, into man. place to help <laughs> scheduling. We're there to keep the train from being yeah. held in the station yeah, for, for excessive amounts of time. Right, for, for, the need, for, the needs, for the needs of the for service. The service. Exactly. Yeah, that's everything, is, everything with MTA is for the needs of the service. Right, and to, if keep, that, tra- and to keep that train If there's moving. no need, they don't need you. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's bottom line how it goes. So what, what, what is Kia talking about? 
Well, I tried to explain to Kia how important it was that 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 um, see that's the problem. Program that's where you go wrong. He should be explaining to you how important the program is. You shouldn't be explaining to him. Yeah. That's ass backwards. That's just like me, a regular citizen, explaining to the president of the United States, this is how you run the country, because he don't know better. You agree or not, Mike? Oh, most certainly. Um, and just to add a little bit to what Shauna said. Cause, man, uh, add a lot, man. Add a lot. Um, <laughs> Shauna had, she had approached me with the situation because when she was talking with Kia and ultimately and subsequently talked with Crystal, she really didn't get anywhere with him. She reached a uh, uh, stumbling wall with them. So when Shauna had conveyed to me the situation, I said, oh, you have a, uh, there's a contract, a violation here. I said, you got people working out of, you know, out of their prescribed pick jobs. I said, you know, we can, we can write that up and we can grieve it. So, you know, I sat down with Shauna, I wrote the grievance up, and then we went down, after we wrote it up, we, uh, we went down to two Broadway to clock it in. Uh, we clocked the grievance in. The same day that we went down there to clock the grievance in, I happened to see Kia was in the room talking with one of the labor relations person. Um, so, you know, we exchanged greetings or what have you. And I think Shauna had told him, she says, I'm going to make sure, you know, you get a copy and make sure Crystal gets a copy of the grievance. And so after we filed everything and, uh, and then I had even explained it to the labor relations person, uh, because he was like, Mike, you know, explain this to me a little bit because, you know, he'll go back to his boss, uh, Mr. Axelrod, and then he'll, you know, have questions for him. Well, what is this pertaining, you know? So I, you know, I took the time and explained to him a little bit what was going on. He says, oh, he says, well, maybe we may be able to, we might be able to resolve this without the need or the necessity of having to go through a grievance. I said, okay, well, if we can, that's fine, you know, because that's ultimately what we want is just to stop, you know, the violation. So, uh, so we left it at that. And no sooner, I think, than uh, Shauna got outside of the building at 2 Broadway you got a telephone call. I didn't even make it outside. <laughs> Who called you? Crystal called me. <laughs> it said what? I didn't make it outside. I was standing, still standing in the lobby. And she called me, and she's on this rampage. Oh, I told you. No, that's <laughs> not what she, she, what happened was. There was a conversation that took place between me and Miss Young. And she was explaining to me, or she attempted to explain to me that she had um, a lot of things going on, such as uh, meetings, training courses that she were attending, and you know, all of that said and done is not helping me because I felt I was being violated. I know I was being violated. I know um, the other young lady that I was working with was being violated. So I mean, well, what are we going to do while you're in training? <laughs> And this ain't the time for training. Well, this is the time. This is the time where you're supposed to show what training has done. You're in the battlefield now. But like I said, I did not run with them, and my goal is to work with them. Well, let me ask you a question. How the hell did she call? Was it coincidence she called you? I don't feel like it was. <laughs> uh, I, that's that's mighty strange. I don't feel like it was because before, like I said, I didn't even make it out the building, and I had just finished talking to Kia. And Kia said something to me about Crystal having put in the grievance already. So I had to say to um, him, well, I don't know how that's possible because I spoke to Crystal and I explained to Crystal, I understood 
that she was going through trainings and meetings and she had all of these these things going on that I would prepare to grieve with myself because when you have all basically what she was saying was her plate was full okay so if your plate is full then I'm gonna do this grievance myself because it has to be done I want to know full with, with what because the, the her plate should be full with the members problems and issues that's what it should be full with well she agreed um, upon that conversation to allow me she gave me permission, if you want to say it like that, to prepare the grievance. And she just asked that I made sure that her and Kia got a copy, and I agreed upon that. That is when I sought help from Mike, because I can't sit on this because you have all of these things going on. I, I need to get this done, and I need it to get done now. Well, she wanted, a, she, she wanted a copy of your grievance, but she already put one in. When I said that to Kia... Um, I guess he was kind of surprised. He, you know, I, I don't know. It just seemed like she hadn't mentioned our com my conversation with her to him. He didn't know we had spoken on the phone. So I left it up to him. I said, well, listen, could you please just make sure she get her copy? And that was the end of, of our conversation. What the hell is going on with RTO, man? Now, you know, speaking of grievances, I got to get this out. We spoke about this earlier, Mike. Now... I want to talk about the construction flagging jobs wow. that uh, Mr. Samuelson gave away to his buddies in uh, MOW. <laughs> <laughs> Please explain to the members what the, how many Ooh. jobs it was and what happened with the grievance and everything that you filed. Okay. Just to give your listeners a little bit of a backdrop, uh, as far as construction flagging jobs, construction flaggers, are that's work that's done by conductors. Uh, and what they do is they actually provide protection and access when private contractors are working on or adjacent to the tracks. So all of that work that you see done where you see contractors working uh, either close to the edge of the platform or on the roadbed, the, the, the members that are providing protection for them are conductors who, who perform construction flagging work. So they wouldn't be in any uniform. They'd be in regular civvies, vests, hard hat, you know, and so forth, all the other uh, protective equipment. Uh, and the orange color, right? Right and, we're di uh, right, and we're distinguished by the orange helmets. Orange helmets, yeah. So RTO wears orange helmets when we're out there on the tracks, and that's, you, you know, either, either that's either construction flagging or miscellaneous train operators also uh, wear orange hard hats. And this particular work, the, the work of a flagger has been done exclusively. We provide exclusive protection for private contractors for more than 50 years. Uh, that work is done exclusively by conductors. And it has been for, you know, uh, going back to at least prior to 1960. What had happened approximately about two years ago, uh, in late, I would say, uh, uh, in 2014, we had noticed that there was some other color helmets that was that showed up on a on a work site that we were we were at, uh, and these guys were I believe they were infrastructure. I think they had uh, red hats. Um, so we, you know, we asked what was going on, this, that, and the other. They told us, oh, well, they're here. They're here to provide uh, protection for the 
painters. So we were like, you know, kind of puzzled by it. So at that time, uh, I believe we had went to another work location and and then we had informed the, uh, the union. At the time, uh, Joe Costales was the, uh, the chairman, the sitting chair at the time. So myself and along with another member, you know, we brought the situation up to him. He says, okay, you know, Mike, we'll look into it. We'll take care of it. Eventually, uh, I think he had filed a grievance, and then it stopped. So once it stopped, I'm under the impression that the practice had, had stopped. But in actuality, they probably just stopped painting because once it gets cold, once the weather starts to shift colder, then they can't paint because they can only paint when the temperature is a certain, a certain degrees outside. Once it gets too cold or too hot, they can't paint. So, um, and they'll usually, you know, start up again in the spring and through the summer. So the work has stopped. And then when it came time to, to paint again the, the following spring, I saw these guys, the uh, in-house maintenance away folks out there again. So instead of calling down to Costales this time, I said, I'm going to file the grievance. So I filed the grievance, and I think this was somewhere around June, I think June of 2014. And I have filed the grievance uh, at that time. Uh, the case, you know, sort of went through the steps and it took me a while, you know, to kind of force labor relations to actually, you know, calendar the case because it seems as though nowadays, even when you file a grievance and whether it's an et al. grievance or whether you file it singularly, it seems like the, the, the biggest obstacle, we get, we get more, I get more opposition from the leadership in the union than I do management. And that's really a shame because not only are you, are you trying to fight and deal with an injustice where management is attacking you, but you also have to be subject to attacks by your own very union. Um, so when the case eventually got scheduled, I sat down with the labor relations director and we were kind of talking. And... Uh, before he got into the meat of the of the actual hearing, he says, Mike, he says, um, I know you sit on opposite sides philosophically from, you know, your colleagues. He says, but, you know, do y'all talk? I said, well, we talk occasionally. You know, the conversation probably isn't as, as well as I would like it. He says, um, he says, the only reason why I'm saying this, he, he says, because your union has made an agreement over this. So I was like, what? He says, yes. He says the union had agreed to a meeting where they made an agreement to allow maintenance away perform some of the flagging work that is done primarily by the construction flaggers. Did they say specifically who? Um, yes. Uh, in fact, he started to tell me about a particular meeting that had happened in December of 2013. And he told me who was at that meeting. He says... Um, he says, uh, Joe Costales was there. He said, uh, John Chiarello was there, who was the chair of line equipment signals. And he said he was actually standing in for Utano. He said Utano wasn't there. I think he had some personal family issue to take care. So Chiarello was standing in for him. And then he says, oh, and he says, one of your, um, one of your flagging people, one of your shop stewards, Denise Littles. 
So I said, oh, okay. And then he, you know, mentioned a number of uh, management folks, whether they've been from the PIC, uh, construction flagging, subsea, and so forth. He said that the agreement that they had worked out is that if that they would try to canvass the work in-house amongst RTO, but if by Thursday they couldn't canvass anybody for the job, then they would, they would give the job to MOW, uh, and he said track department. So um, I says, oh, okay. I was actually kind of dumbfound because I'm like, why would my own union agree to something like this? Why would they agree to simply have one group of union brothers and sisters scab against another, un another group of brothers and sisters work? So I had to try to, you know, play my, you know, play my hand, but at the same time try to keep, you know, my composure. So he says, um, so toward the end of the hearing, he says, well, Mike, he says, well, let me know what do you want to do with the hearing, whether you want to. Uh, so I said, I got to think about this now because, you know, if it's, if it's simply a case where the union has agreed to this, then I don't have a grievance, you know, if, if the union simply, you know, made this arrangement. So, so he says, well, let me know what you want to do. He said, if you want to go forward with it, then he said, you just call me back and we'll allow this hearing to, you know, kind of allow this to be the hearing and then you won't have to come back for another day. And, and then he can just write a decision. I said, okay. I said, let me think about it and I'll get back to you in a day or two. So when I thought about it, I, I called him back maybe about a couple of days later and I says, I want, you know, write me a decision. Because my thinking at the time was, I says, if, if the union actually did agree to this, then I wanted to flush it out. And uh, so he ended up writing me a decision, which I have a, uh, a copy of it here, of the document. And, um, and basically it, uh, it affirmed pretty much, you know, our conversation that um, the union had agreed to this. Um, not to be outdone, even after that, I still said, okay, well, let me, let me see if I can get this case to arbitration because that was only the step two. When I tried to get the case put on the calendar for arbitration, the current vice president at the time, who was Kevin Harrington, did not allow the case to go forward. Um, after going back and forth, you know, sending emails to the... Uh, the person at the grievance and discipline department to, to calendar the case. And uh, she told me, she says, Mike, well, you know, it has to go to the VP or the chairperson in order for me to put, you know, case on the calendar. So when I contacted Harrington by email, asking him to put the case on the calendar, he responded back to me, you know, maybe a day or so later, basically saying that he didn't feel him, along with the division committee, felt that it was not in the interest of the members to have any of these cases go forward to arbitration. So he effectively really killed or just cut the legs from underneath the grievance from going forward. Um, and, uh, and, that, and that took place for some time. So when the new year came around, and we had the election with the new vice president came in, Kia Poo. I sent him two letters. I sent him a letter in January 
And then I sent him a letter in April, you know, asking him, okay, um, you know, there's some issues that were unresolved from your predecessor. What do you plan to do with these with these cases? I said, we need some resolve on it. And, you know, the members are, are feeling the pain here. I didn't get one response back from Kia on either of those letters. And I sent those letters, you know, everything that I usually send to the union, I send a certified mail return receipt. You know, so they to can't show sure, no excuses. Yeah, they can't say <laughs> they didn't get it or whatever. And um, so not to be outdone, even then, uh, April, around the end of April, after, after being frustrated, waiting for the union to do anything, um, I filed a, uh, a PERB charge. Uh, PERB is the, uh, is the regulatory body, the state body that regulates public unions. Uh, it's for the Public Employees Relations Board. So I filed an improper, an imp a duty of fair representation charge against the union uh, because they failed to, you know, schedule these, uh, these grievances for arbitration. And I felt that under the contract, under the collective bargaining agreement, the members have a right, you know, win or lose. You know, we have a right for this case to be heard and a resolve to come about once and for all. Um, as a matter of fact, this, this past week I had a, uh, I had a pre-conference hearing, uh, where, with the, the perp? Yes. All right. We was before the judge and TA, they sent their, they sent a representative and the union, they, they hired outside counsel from Colorado, O'Hara and Mills to represent their interests in the case. And then they had, uh, Crystal was there, uh, I guess observing. Uh, for the union as well, um, it sounded like they was. It sounded like it's, it's like y'all against the union and management. Uh, yeah, that's the way it's been. It's been looking these days. It's, it seems like they've been they've been working uh, in tandem, uh, management and the union. I mean, it's it's just funny. I mean, it's just you know, it's almost uh, you know, kind of laughable in some sense. Yeah, why didn't they get the union attorney to go with the and go to the case? They went. They pull out the big guns. They went to the big law firm for this case. Well, I guess they... Let, it sounds big. It may not be big at all. Well, they, they probably didn't want to use, you know, in-house counsel in the union to appear as though, you know, there's some kind of bias. So usually when you, when you have some type of outside type of uh, litigation or action, they'll usually uh, hire an outside uh, firm. And, uh, and the members have just been getting hammered by this because ever since... When this issue initially broke, now it seems like they've opened the floodgates where on any on it w where something it was just primarily on the weekends. Now we're starting to see even during the week where they're having uh, maintenance away. Other departments are flagging our work. Uh, <laughs> you know, management has been claiming, you know, oh, well, we don't have enough personnel to fill the amount of work. But yet on. For the last several weeks, we haven't even had enough work during the week to cover the regular pick flaggers. Wow. So how is it that you're able to give our work away to another department when you can't even find enough work for all of the regular flaggers? Wow, wow. You know, wow. so there's, a, there's a, a very clear and systemic issue going on here. And I feel that the union is just complicit with it. Let me ask you a question. This may be kind of tough. Would you rather have Joe Costalison 
over Crystal? Wow. Um, <laughs> it's like, woo. Um, let me see if I can answer it this way. Um, it's one thing when you have someone in a position who is really not qualified or capable of up to the task and where that may not have been Castalis's issue but he clearly you know was was not acting in the best interest of the members when he negotiated that but he uh, did create that he did right. he did create that job right he he well he oh. created the problem <laughs> he created the problem and then now it fell on another administration fell into Crystal's lap to try to fix it but what I was dismayed is when Crystal took office you know and I sat down I had conversations with her and I tried to talk with her to fashion and show her you know how you could attack this issue that just because you simply make an agreement was made uh, and by many accounts many all the people were saying well this was a verbal agreement that there was nothing in writing and uh I said, but you're not necessarily bound by that because you come in, you know, with your team and under your under your leadership, you know, you can simply tell the TA that you're not going to you're not bound by that agreement. And you would welcome the opportunity to jumpstart and negotiate, you know, how we could get this work done. And 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 you could have just simply opened up, you know, around uh, new levels of negotiations around that issue. Mm-hmm. But you certainly don't try to bargain against yourself. See, I, I think the problem with Crystal is I think that she she means good and she she wants to do good. But it's hard to handle issues when you learn in them at the same time. Also, exactly. When you telling them you telling her to negotiate. She's not good at negotiating because, I mean, it's obvious what happened at Stillwell. But she she does mean good. But like I keep saying, going from. Going from uh, high school to the NBA is not a jump that everybody should make. She actually should have took like an e-board spot and then moved up from there so you could just get get your feet wet because she was just a shop steward a year before us or something like that. Right. Maybe yeah. two years before us. Right. And it, it was crazy because before I knew about Crystal, I used to see people used to call her the Google Queen. And I never understood I never, I never got it to be honest. I'm like, damn, why they call her, you know, the Google Queen? Because they was like, you know, she, they asked her questions on the internet, and she'd come and she answer it, and it was crazy because Jamel even said, yeah, you know, I asked her a question and she answered mine too. Yeah, I asked, I asked her a couple of questions before. This is this is a few years ago on Facebook, you know, because I see how she would answer questions and what. So I'm like, okay, I had a couple of questions. General questions, yeah, and I and I asked her, and she got back to me. So I was like, okay, she know, you know, she knows her stuff, you know. Now that that works good for people. See, one thing that she did to her advantage was that she took advantage of the internet, and there wasn't no pressure on her to get these answers back to people because it was at her leisure. You could almost Google anything, you know what I'm saying? Any and everything you could Google it, and um, you know, she used that to her advantage. But she needs to get a system in place where. It could work for her because obviously it's not it's not it's not working for her. She got to know how to delegate work to people, just like when I, I was telling her with the situation with um, me and her got into a conversation about people complaining about her or something, and she was like, "Well, why don't you hit me 
and 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 to let me know and i'm like crystal if they can't get in contact with you what makes you think that i could get in contact with you and i shouldn't be if i hit you on your private line to tell you that people is hitting you to do your job then you need to give out your private line number two especially if the union number isn't working this is your job and people is like honestly trashing her right now you know what i'm saying i, I keep hearing somebody somebody hit me up you know it was a situation where you know she she wasn't picking up the phone and then they end up being friends on facebook or friends with her friends on facebook oh crystal's on vacation again oh really i mean it, it ain't it ain't my um you know it ain't it ain't my business but it looks bad when people is calling you you not handling issues and you're on vacation again and again and again i heard this from more than one person it was a samuelson vacation I don't know. I don't think she that in yet. I heard that she's trying to get in with Samuelson like that. Okay, no, because I know. I, I know he sent people. He sent people on vacation. vacation. It, yeah. it could be. I don't know. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you know, her her doing whatever she decide to do, whether it's legit or not, you still should hold back. Everything shouldn't make the internet. Some things just got to be private. Because it's not like she's kicking. Who's kicking ass at two, bro? <laughs> I don't know. You asked that question. Progressive <laughs> yeah. action. Who's kicking ass? It's not like you know she's kicking ass. She's learning. But keep some things off the internet. Keep it private. Yeah. Because that's that's infuriating people here. Yeah. Because I know it's a couple of people that I in the last couple of weeks that uh, RTO people, um, one train operator, another conductor, has told me that she got elected because. People were tired of Joker Stalas. Yeah, that, that's basically what it was. It people was, were tired of Joker Stalas and they didn't like him. So that's why I said, wow. So, and then to hear you, you say, basically say it in your own words and other people, uh, did you say it? So that's why I'm like, okay, this dude must have been really unlikable here. And know? I see Joe, and I, I seen Joe probably like two days ago. I don't, I'm quite sure he probably know who I am because his wife got in the group and then next thing you know, he in the group. So of course he know who I am, but... I still hear him giving out information, which to me, which to me is important. You know what I'm saying? Because he could just be like effort. You know what I'm saying? But one thing he don't do, he don't go into the big crew rooms. <laughs> he stay near the dispatcher because it's, it's people. You know, it's people that's mad at him. Oh, really? Yeah. Naturally, yeah. It's people wow. that's mad at him. Okay. But I, I did hear him give out information. You know, educating somebody asked them a question, and then, you know, he let them know how whatever which way it worked. But even even the thing with with, with Crystal, he should have welcome. He lost. He should have welcomed Crystal in also. You know what I'm saying? He should have welcomed her in. How can we be? We preach solidarity, and you leaving the person in the cold who could help us. You probably gonna need her help one day. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He actually still holds a Costello uh, still holds e -board a, spot, a right? executive board seat. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he he didn't want to. He didn't want to go back to his tools. Because of all the wrongdoing he has done. You know what I'm saying? Because the only time I seen Joe Castales was induction day and when he needed signatures for this this election. Well, you know, um, if I may, speaking of Joe Castales, uh, Joe was the one who actually negotiated the platform controller jobs yeah. with management. Um, a lot of a lot of the they, a, a lot of the fact that the controllers have the weekends off, they get the holidays off, that was Joe who negotiated that. So in the beginning, when those jobs started, I went to Joe Castales 
to figure out what it was actually that he negotiated. Well, I mean, what was talked about in these meetings when you guys sat down and y'all put these jobs together. And I wanted to get a clear understanding of what the crew office were capable of doing. Was it okay for them to send the platform controllers to the road and place other people in these open positions? And Joe explained to me that, you know, under the circumstances with having the weekends off and holidays off, that we should be happy with that. You know, we shouldn't be complaining about anything. It just didn't sit with him that they're violating our contractual rights and they're sending con um, extra list controllers to the road when they have open spots for these people to fill and they's filling, they're filling those spots with other people. So he, he was one of the first ones who told me not to complain about it and <laughs> to be glad that they don't just discontinue the job. So in, in <laughs> they not going to discontinue a no, job that no. <laughs> that they need. Let me just say that that job I've had customers come up to me and thank me as a platform controller because we have a lot of people that come into the system who have been robbed. Mm -hmm. Some of them have been physically hurt by other people, and they have a terrible phobia of riding the train well, and, at, and being underground. Look at that article they had on the platform. I, I guess he was a platform controller at um, Beffitt exactly. Avenue on the L line. Right. They signed a petition, hundreds of signatures. They didn't want him to leave. So it shows the importance of the job. It's very important. It's very important. We've had situations where a child was um, separated from the parent. And when word got to Rail Control Center, they'll call out to that location, and if there's a, a platform controller that's at that location, we can get our hands on that child and hold that child there for the parent for the parent to come back, and you know, and get their, their son or their daughter. They don't have to. Um, the child doesn't have to ride three or four um, stops down if the word comes back to us in enough time where we can actually locate and find this child, it helps because now you've, you've potentially taken something that may have taken maybe 30 minutes to an hour, you know, and you've broken that down to five, 10 minutes. Because if we're on the platform, it is our job to address this issue as soon as it comes to, as soon as it comes to us from yeah. the rail control center. Yeah. Right, and I think that they, 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 you know, the MTA, they also don't mind having these platform controllers there because it sounds like it's soothing and a comfort to the customers. And you know, so basically, and then you think about the average person that rides the subway, it's like, okay, when they see the uniform, just like when they see a cop, they feel safe. Yeah. Okay, you know, even mm -hmm. though people, you know, when other things go on in the news, they talk, they may talk crap about cops or transit workers. And you know, when the post put things in to talk about, yeah, the, transit workers get this from the MTA they're asking for a raise you know all that nonsense that's been going on through the years but yet when they see the uniform right. they now they run to you and embrace you now now you let me tell you what's crazy you see how we talking and we like well it don't really make no sense why would the MTA you know get rid of these these platform controllers what it really sounds like to me is that y'all black folks better be happy that y'all got a job Y'all better be happy that y'all got the weekends and holidays off and shut up and keep it moving. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what it sounds like to me. Mm -hmm. Y'all not happy. And when they say y'all black folks, it's just not happy. 
What y'all complaining about? Right. Just be happy. So that's what I'm saying. Like these people, <laughs> race plays a major major factor in this, especially at that union hall. Yeah, and and also playing politics. You know, um, they it, can't play politics. They no. uh, they they play they play stupidity among sheep. Yeah, that's yeah. all it be. That's not politics. Ain't nothing po- political going on up there. Nothing. It's it's stupid shit all day. How can you tell? How can the the current president tell you? Oh, they go get rid of the job. Joe Castales is saying it, and what's being done? So what should what should we fight for then? Where where should we start fighting? What is good to fight for? Where does it begin? Where? I don't know. <laughs> where does it begin? Well, it begins with correcting the wrong. You know, for, if I can say. Having them say that to me, you know, I, I understood that it wasn't important to them that the crew office did what they were supposed to do in the beginning was to fill the jobs first. And if there's no position available, then send the controller to the, to the road. Well, let me ask you this, Shauna. What is important to them? Because if you're saying that's not important to them, tell me what's I, important I to them. I don't know what's important to them. But I, I know what's important to me. I know, but, but I, I don't know what's important to them. And you you know you just let them speak their piece and say whatever it is they want to say, and you you just push forward. Nah, see that's that's not the answer. You got to hold them accountable because you keep pushing. You you how can you push forward when you don't got the people that you elected? They the, they they our voice. At the end of the day, you can't right. push without them. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So you can't just say, oh, you know what. That's no concern to him. Let me just go back and talk to my friends, and we'll talk about it until we're not upset about it anymore. No, no, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. Um, I say that because, like I said, I started off talking to Joe Costales, and then I realized that Joe, <laughs> Joe got voted out, so he's not even in the seat anymore. So you just surprise him and let him go on about his business, yeah. and that's why I took it to Kia and to Crystal. Now I brought it to them. These are our elected officials. It's their job to correct this wrong. Correct. Now, the, like I said, what, what, the only thing it seems like that matters to them are their salaries and them going back to their tools. That's the only thing that they are concerned with. When you start talking that type of language, that's when they want to wake up. That's what I'm saying. This surprise party that I'm throwing at 195 Montague Street, ninth floor. See, now, th- this is the only thing that they could do. They could require people to sign in at the front desk. Manage the penthouse, build, yeah, the penthouse or the or the hallways. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They could require us to sign in. Mm-hmm. That's about it. But then that's discrimination. You gonna make the whole building sign in? You gonna put turnstiles? Y'all gonna do that for little old progressive action? Yeah, right. We coming up there? Oh, definitely, we are. Now I got a question, and either you, Mike, or Shauna can chime, or you both could chime in on this question. Um, when it comes down to the conductor boards. And for the members who don't know what the conductor boards are, those are those zebra-striped boards that the conductor has to point to when the train pulls in the station. And also... Look at the bus guy. The bus guy telling us what the conductor board is. <laughs> well, the mem- I'm telling the members. Like, y'all know already, okay? No, no. And, I'm, and, and, and also those CCTVs that conductors have to look at when they come into a cur- on a curve station. You know, as far as because he talks to me about that all the time. That's his pet peeve, especially. So um, I'd like to know, like, if you want to make a change 
as far as because I told them why don't they get HD monitors for those CCTVs and also with those conductor boards why don't they get like illuminated LC um, you know like LED lights on those conductor boards you know who would take care of things like that or who could you address that to Mike can answer that. Yeah, Mike. Um, well, those would probably be, I mean, things that you could address with management um, in negotiations. But it's it's kind of like it's like you're you're suggesting to management maybe. I don't really see in in terms of the intrinsic benefit to the members. Um, I mean, as far as the board, the board is the, the, the board you mentioned with the zebra stripe. That's to identify to the conductor to let the conductor know that the train is properly berthed in the station and is safe to open the doors alongside the train. Uh, but for many conductors, including myself, you know, we kind of ab abhor to the notion of, you know, having to acknowledge this board like, you know, it's almost a, an insult of one's professional ability and know-how to have to simply point at that board when the train comes into the station and, and makes the proper station stop. You know, the only reason why they put that rule into place is because the MTA is, is, is pretty much saying that we're too stupid to know whether or not the train is properly berthed in the station. I mean, some people do make mistakes and open up outside the station, too. Of course they do. And, and, and I don't think there's any corporation or organization you can point to in America where you don't have accidents and mishaps in the workplace. That's correct. And you know what's the difference with, with our bosses? They look at it at, like we come to work the fuck up. Exactly. That's right. the difference. Exactly. <laughs> they act like we come to work. To, purposely to, 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 you know what? I'm going to hit a pedestrian today you know, with a bus. I'm going to go bang somebody with doors. I'm going to go get me a drag today. That's how they look at us mm -hmm. as, as fuck-ups. Like, we ain't come to work to be professional. Exactly. I'm going to give you an example. Um, a, a conductor, I had a talk. I had a talk with her. She had seen me. She said, you know, I love, I love your um, you know, Progressive Action website. You wrote a nice article. But she got into, you know... Um, a conversation with me with her phone. She allegedly got caught with her phone out on the train. Uh, TSS caught her. And um, they basically said when she got down to two Broadway, she said she had to hire a lawyer to save her job. But when she basically got to two Broadway, um, they was like, well, why would the um, why would the TSS put his career on the line and lie? Well, why would I put my career on the line and have my phone out? I'm telling you that I'm di I didn't. He telling you that he did. Where's his real proof? You have any uh, you have any um witnesses? Because remember, management got to have the burden of proof. To me, your word isn't enough. And just recently, this has been going around. A conductor got in trouble because an MTA vice president said that he didn't do a platform ob observation. Now TSS. Everybody, union told him, oh, ain't nothing you could do about it. The vice president caught you. All right, check this out. I need that vice president to tell me everybody who was on the platform, tell me what, what they was gesturing, tell me everything that you've seen on this platform because as far as I'm concerned, y'all give me the title of being in control of the train. If I see any threat, 
not what you perceive as a threat, but what I perceive as a threat on that platform, I could stick my head in before that 75 feet in. So who is he or she to say that I stuck? Why? First of all, ask him why he stuck his head in early. Why? Did you see a threat on the platform? What was it? You know what I'm saying? They pulled his train out of service a couple of stops later. And, and basically, he was nervous, signed the G2 early. And we go get into the wine garden rights that you, you, know, you push for. And now he's, his, his, his G2 probably go go against him, which is really going to hang him. But how can you be on the platform and tell me what I'm seeing coming at me? I don't know what's behind these columns. Somebody could be making a face like I'm a hit you type face. We know what that face look like. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to throw something at you type face. We know what that look like. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm going to just stick my head in. Safety. That's all the union got to say. The union ain't got to say, oh, the, oh, my God, the vice president, <laughs> Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Swaggett caught you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Scared of death. Yeah. Oh, no, ain't, ain't nothing you could do. Jimmy Swaggett done caught you. And, and, and you know, you just got to, no, you no. You know what? We going to say that it was a safety issue, and, and, I, and, and that's it. Now, if they say that you ain't see nothing safe, well, prove I ain't see nothing safe. Right. Yeah, I, st- I stuck my head in. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. But prove to me that nothing, tell me right down in your G2, what everybody had on the platform, what faces they was making, what they had in their hand, and everything. You can't do that. You ain't got no case. But, you, you know, you're absolutely right with that. We, but we have a lot of new conductors. I mean, there's thousands of them out there. And me being a, a shop steward also as well as the Ebor member, I reached out to Crystal and I asked Crystal to come out to the Queens Corridor and basically shop gate and talk to the members and let them know about these infractions. Let them know to be careful to, you know, when they get on their train to make sure you operate as per school call. We're not saying that you're not doing it. I'm telling you to make sure you're doing it because now management has stepped up their game and now they've gotten people out there standing behind columns looking to make sure if people make sure, you know, if they close down the back before they close down the front. If they're going to put people out there watching us, then as the union, we need to step up our game and we need to get out there and we need to talk to the members and explain to the members that, listen, you have to make sure that you're on top of your game because they're looking for you to mess up. They're yeah. standing there. They want you to mess up. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well I, I think you, you mentioned something a minute ago, Tramel, and I think it underscores somewhat of a, a fundamental problem in terms of how the disciplinary system, you know, works, and I've always had problems, is that the member doesn't necessarily have the presumption of innocence. It's as though you're guilty, and then you have to come down through the hearing process to prove your innocence. Correct. And and what's, I, I guess, frustrating for a lot of members is that they don't really see where their representatives will go the extra mile, will go the extra length to uncover this, to do this, to do that, to do their due diligence. And, you know, a lot of what happens down there is just, you know, quite frankly, they're just pushing paper, pushing cases. And there's no real investigation, no no work, no thought going into it. You know, it's oh they said management said this, okay, so it must be true. Yeah. And um 
and and that's the disheartening the disheartening thing that members members have to face. Yeah, I, I agree with you one hundred percent on that, Mike. Because it's the same thing in buses where, you know, members get um, brought into office for customer complaints, and yet, um, where's your proof that this actually went down? I mean, anybody could write something. I mean, people write stuff all the time, you know, just just as well as a person could write in. And the operator could get a commendation for something that a customer wrote in. They can also get reinstruct or something or some other discipline for uh, something that a customer wrote in. So that's what I mean when I say there's no burden of proof with a lot of these cases and a lot of these disciplines that our members receive in all in in, in these operational departments, particularly. Why? Because you have again, there's no eyes and no ears. There's no accountability with these people who are writing these violations. And who were making these claims, saying that oh the member didn't do this, the member didn't do that, right. you know. And sometimes you get members or, or you get customers that may make claims, and a lot of times you know we work in the operation field. A lot of times you get customers that make you know they're they're, they're looking for litigious claims. Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And, and a lot of the things is because, especially in, in trains, the MTA they only care about their fare box. It's a free for all for the customers once they once they pay their fare, you could do whatever you want. You could hold doors, you could surf on side of the train, you could do showtime, whatever you like. Like I told them before, they got live orchestras on some of these stations and the platforms. How can I communicate with a with a passenger with directions over this orchestra that y'all allowing to go on in these subways? Union Square. Yeah, I mean Union Square, forty second everywhere. It's a guitar, a amp. And a microphone. How can I compete with that? Then I'm not going to compete with that. Y'all have to do something about that. Y'all have to start. I hate to say it. Passengers hold doors. They they slowing up the trains. Start finding the passengers. S- stop it. You know what I'm saying? They only care about these fare boxes. After that, it's whatever. And then we then the discipline start with us. You're exactly <laughs> you know? right. Yep. The discipline start with us after that, and and it's sad. Right. Well, this the uh, MTA has become a discipline machine instead of a service machine. You know, um, they've gotten away from the you know the fabric of the work that we do here in transit. It's all about the service. It's supposed to be about the service, but basically, it's become a discipline machine. And why? Because you have so many titles through the years that were created. And now you can't you can't really get rid of these titles because these are all civil service people with civil service status. Okay? Like I said, my biggest pet peeve is that labor relations department. I, 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 just, I just can't describe how I feel about them. I just feel that they're just totally unnecessary. And it's like the president of transit can't, when it comes to discipline, can't override them, believe it or not. Um, let's say the whoever the top person is in RTO can't override them. Believe never, it or not, I never heard of that. Yeah, but I was telling. I'll tell you this. I was looking for jobs, and um, and, and what, what, what was it? Labor relations. Labor relations. Yeah. <laughs> so I was looking at the requirements. You need college education, which brings a whole different type of skill level of thinking. It, it teach you college actually teach you how to how to think logically and and out the box. You know what I'm saying? You got, like I said, you got union reps who's going in there and their whole claim to fame is just being popular. 
there's no way you go go against these people who got degrees in some of these areas and, and win against them. There's no way. They looking at you as, as being silly and not making nothing out your life anyway, especially the average transit worker because they got the numbers. A lot of us don't go to college. A, a lot of us didn't finish high school. They know what they working with. Well, Why do you think discipline is so much different in this company than any other company? Right. Police is not like that. You get a thousand complaints. You could shoot somebody and still have your job. Hit somebody with a train. And remember, trains don't hit people. People hit trains. Right. You know what I'm saying? At, at the very end of the day. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? We get treated the worst when it comes to discipline. Anything could get you off that train. Or bus. Anything. Yeah, anything, yeah. Anything. And then what they do. I'm going to ask you this. When the last time they had a, a, a cleanest test? Uh, they've done away with the cleanest exam when they made it. When they took away the civil service status and made it a non-competitive labor class. And, 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 and that happened in, I believe, 19. When I came over to RTO in 95, uh, that's when they did away with that. And then now look how they fill the positions. Basically by application. No. Should, you messed up? You want to keep your MTA job? We're going to make you a cleaner. Yeah, basically. Uh, That's demotions. how they fill in these positions now. Demotions. <laughs> I, I, I would love to know how many of those cleaning positions is demotions versus the application. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's crazy. Now, let me ask you something. Um, how do you feel about the superintendent job? Would you be a superintendent? Would I be a super, superintendent? Yes, I will be a superintendent, and I'm going to tell you why. The problem with us black folks is that we don't encourage each other to go higher. It's just like when we, when we was in school or when I was in school, it was always that one child out the group that wanted to be a cop, and we made fun of him. Oh, you want to be a cop? You want to be this? You want to be that? Now we get older, we getting pulled over by cops and wondering why they don't relate to us because the people who had a chance to relate to us we, we, we dogged them. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, the black cops that do make it through, they don't relate to us. Right, because they become blue. <laughs> yeah. They, and they, they, just, they just don't. They, don't, they from Long Island. They didn't grow up the way we grew up. Because when they said they wanted to be cops, they friend chairs them on. We didn't. So, like, I tell people this. I'm going to continue to move up. Because I can help my people better as a superintendent Versus them being in the union because then I can relate to my people. We need to we need to put our people in positions where, you know, he's one of us, and I feel comfortable with him being one of us, because only them is getting there. And then what happened? We getting results like Two Broadway. We getting results like John Samuelson. We we getting results like the the PSB. We getting results like Steve Downs. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, what's the other dude name? Nick Bedell. Nick Bedell. We getting those type of responses because we not putting ourselves and and helping each other move up. So the first chance that I get a superintendent, why wouldn't I take it? Why wouldn't I be a dispatcher? I I can help my people more there. You know what I'm saying? And you wouldn't be the only one. You wouldn't be the only hell. There are people. There are plenty of people in the system in 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 a, in, a, in, a, in um RTO and buses who were in the union. And then they became managers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's a, and it's still going on. It's not a it's not a bad thing, but you know, um, what I would I, what I would say is that don't put your friends in in, in union positions because that's only that, that's only a plane waiting to crash. Yeah. yeah, you know, because basically, again, just like I told you months ago, 
it's a one-track mind with a lot of union people, you know. And I don't know if you agree with me, Mike and Sean, or that, you know, these these people have tunnel vision when it comes to things. It's, all they know is strictly contract. And then when it comes to certain things, they don't even read these things right in the contract. I just look at, I, I look at some of these people and wonder, like, what, are you dyslexic? What did you see? <laughs> to be, you know, and I'm really being honest. What did you see? Like, prime example is when, you know, when Roger and Steve was up here, you know, for that show back in April. And, you know, people think that Roger opened the door for paying into the medical benefits. But he came on here and he told people and is still telling people to listen. Steve Downs and, and all the rest of these other people, they knew about this back in the 90s. And then when I, I, I called Tremel one day, because I found it in the contract, in the back of the contract, and I read it to him. And I even took a picture of it and I put it on Facebook in the group so that people could see it. Okay, this is what it is in black and white. We had this before. So the door was not open in, in the 2005 strike. And, and another thing that killed me is that what they use with me in particular is that when I, when I defend Roger, they say, oh, you wasn't there. But you ask those same guys about Quill. Quill was great. Well, was you there? <laughs> was you there for Quill? Right. How you know he was great? And if you ask me, Quill was great and he stood up because those were his people he was repping. This company was different back then. And he created TWU, so it was his baby. So just like how progressive action is your baby and my baby. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, TWU was his baby. Yeah. So you're not going so basically that's why he went down for the cause the way he did. Yeah. You know? And Mike, I want to ask you about this uh newsletter that you got going oh, on. Oh yeah, let's okay. talk about it. Okay. Tell the people about it. Uh basically this was something that had been a uh a labor of love of mine for some time. Um and I had just been thinking, you know, even after the last past two elections and the fact that there really wasn't an organ out there that really spoke to the members. There wasn't anything really giving them any information. Um, you know, after spending, you know, some of my early years in transit, I was with a uh, rank and file group called New Directions. And we ultimately, you know, kind of transitioned. And when Roger Toussaint came into power in 2000, 2001, you know, we had a publication that we would put out in the field back then called Hell on Wheels. And that publication, you know, it was a very popular publication. It had a lot of clout and support with the members. And they would look forward to that publication. You know, they would look forward to it, you know, each and every issue. Um, and we would just hawk them in uh, thousands of them. And as soon as we would, you know, come out with an issue, members would eat them up. And this is what they looked for, for their information. It, it, it gave them a voice uh, where there was none. And so when Tucson came into power, he had created, established a, a monthly uh, newspaper called the TW Express. And uh, it was a regular tabloid-sized newspaper chock full of information. When Roger left office and Samuelson came in, you didn't see that publication come out monthly anymore. Now what you have is a publication that comes out 
quarterly and it's just like a basically like a color magazine when you open it up there's a, nothing but primarily a lot of advertisements uh, so a lot of the companies that they use that solicits our members are actually taking up ad space in that publication so there's nothing really I, I feel there's, there's nothing really out here that the membership can go to that gives them news and information in terms of what's going on out here and so that was the inspiration that's that's what the newspaper grew out of that inspiration and uh i just uh unleashed my first uh issue last month and it's called the uh subway surface observer and uh who's helping you with the uh the, the newsletter well basically i um a lot of the articles in this particular uh edition i i wrote myself uh some of the articles I reached out to you know some of my uh, my colleagues and uh, and friends in the union to solicit you know ideals and stories you know whether it be other departments that I knew you know they were from and I would say hey you know what's going on you know what's going on in your department and and some of the members they came forth and gave me uh, you know articles like Joe Campbell he gave me an article, the piece on the uh, car maintenance piece, where we talk about the, uh, the water filters, the quench water filters, uh, the maintenance away piece. I got uh, Gary Bono. He uh, gave me the uh, article for that particular story. Uh, so I try to rely on, because there's a particular column on the inside, on the second page, that I title Around the Divisions. And basically what that is, is that gives you a, a snapshot of whatever the hot button issue is in that department and so I try to feature something from all seven departments in the local uh, whether it be car equipment maintenance away TA surface map stoa MTA bus rapid transit operations and stations department so I try to have something from each of those departments okay. how often you go come out with these uh, I'm looking to have the publication come out monthly. That's big right there. Oh, yeah. Now, where can the members on a monthly basis get their hands on the publication? How can they get it? Okay. For the first issue, I had about, I had 5,000 printed up because I just wanted to just see how fast I could circulate them, what the response would be like. But I also have the publications also available in electronic format as well. So, you know, you may have some members that may like an actual paper in their hand, you know, something where they can read if they're old school, so they can, they can get it that way. Or if they just want something where they can have it on their phone or their tablet, they can get it in electronic format. Uh, what I'm looking to do, at least by the next issue, I'll have information where members can actually subscribe. So I'll have a subscription rate. So if you want to get the uh, 12 issues the whole year, It'll run you $19.95 for the whole year. Uh, if you want six months, it'll run you like $12.95. Uh, so I have information where members could actually sign up and subscribe, and then they can have the newspaper delivered to their home, or they can get it in electronic format. If they want it in the electronic format, then they can just, once, they, you know, once I have them and they subscribe, I can send them a link each and every month, and they'll have the... Uh, They'll be able to open up the paper in the electronic format. So the first one, the first one, first batch is free. 
Yeah, pretty much. How many we dropping off at 195 Montague Street? Oh, <laughs> well, probably don't want too many because uh, if, if if anybody we turn our back, they may end up in the trash. Oh yeah, definitely. You know. Yeah, definitely will. Also. I don't know. I'm 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 going to Nick Bedell, um part two. I guess to make me a real shop steward. Oh yeah. Maybe I'll make him read something to the class or something like that. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, he, he may enjoy it. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nick don't seem like a bad guy. He he that's upset that I said the thing about um him getting a finder's fee and want me to prove he got a finder's fee. Like I could prove that. Of course not. You can't prove it. <laughs> How can I prove something that's hidden? Exactly. Just hack his bank account. That would be the only <laughs> way. <laughs> he probably did it old school. It's probably under his mattress. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that that's I like that, Mike. You know, we gotta start finding ways to educate and, and, and start working together. Like, you know, we started the radio show. We got the website now, which get um, a, a, a thousand views and probably like 600 visitors a day um, you know we have to do more of this and right. we have to stick together and, and, and get the information to the people you're absolutely right it's about really raising consciousness and awareness and, and one, of the, one of the things a burning passion that I have you know, because I'm on, I'm on short time, so to speak. You know, this is when you're getting real close, and you can, and you can see retirement in, in your rearview mirror. <laughs> but I would be remiss if I left and I retired without really trying to reach back, and pull another one up. Each one teach one. Each one reach one. Yeah. And so, you know, my passion these days is about really trying to cultivate and help develop the next generation of activists. That's dope. So that when I step away, I can feel confident that I can pass the torch and feel good that they're going to be able to carry the ball and move the baton forward. That's dope. And the thing that bothers me with, with TWU, as far as us members, it seems like the more the senior members are more involved than the younger members. Like everybody in tier six should be upset and pissed right now. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I can't be the only one upset and pissed. You know what I'm saying? There's an attack on unions, period. There's an attack of our own officers on members. We have to wake up and we have to get more involved. You know and, what I'm saying? And the sad thing is, is that they look, they look to the union. You know, first of all, everybody's still feeding off of the old, the reputation of the union in the old days. You know, from from the people that hear about Quill and even people that hear about when Roger was in office and we striking and everything. Oh, yeah, they're going to get us something. So basically, people think that the union, the elected officials will make a way, that Samuelson will make a way, that their, that their vice presidents of the prospective departments will make a way. But that's not the case, you know. So, you know, they have to be woken up and made aware that you have to get more involved and even you know being involved is just knowing what's going on you know because basically you know what happened back um, when roger went to the international this membership basically ran into samuelson's arms you know i mean i know it's a bad analogy for me to wait the way i said it but it's just it, it's true and that's what it seems like you know because the man put out so much propaganda about the previous administration you know the way it just made people say, "Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, we're tired of that. We're tired." You know, so that's how he, you know, so that's how he got his votes. You know, yeah. so now you're talking about going on nine years worth of nonsense, nine years of 
what has this administration done? Nine years of this administration not educating the members because they don't want the members to be educated. Correct. Because again, uh, if it wasn't for progressive action, the members who are aware of it wouldn't have known about them, about Nick Bedell, <laughs> convincing samples in the bottles, condominium floors. Or, or even Nick Bedell, um friend being the, 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 uh, realtor the realtor on the deal. Right. And all these people that talk crap about Rogers selling the building at 80 West End Avenue. <laughs> but look at what this guy here did. Did you know that, Mike? Nick Bedell, friend, was the realtor on the deal? No, I didn't. Until I saw some of the documents that you had on the, uh, on the site, you know, I, did, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, right. yeah, I mean, a lot of people wasn't aware, but that's the that's the beauty of the show is to connect the dots because you bring in information that people don't know. Shauna has brung information that people don't know. That's right. And me and Jamel, we that sponges. That's Especially right. Especially me, I'm a sponge. Like I, I don't, I'm only two years in here, so you know, I don't, I don't really know too much, but I know more than a lot of people at that union hall. I tell you that now, I do. <laughs> Yo, definitely. And you're yeah. having fun too. Yeah, it's, you know, fun. it's fun. It's fun. You know, because and another thing is. A lot of the members didn't know about the stall tactics. People thought that that man went to negotiate the contract fairly back in 2012, but there was basically you know impasses and all that stuff. So basically, that's why we waited two years. But no, it was stall tactics. And Loda and the, confirmed it too. And lo, and right, <laughs> the soundbite confirms it. Joe Law, he, he confirmed it okay, too. Okay, so that's what I'm right. We had Harry Wills come on here and talk about it, and, and Joe Loder confirmed it. So that's what I mean when I say this is what the membership voted in, and this is what everybody needs to understand, that we need to make change, okay? And I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Let me tell you what's so sad around here. We in a union, especially the, the, the newer members, the younger, I'm going to say like the 35 and younger members, they know more about LeBron James' contract than their own contract for which they work for. Wow. It's Steph yeah. Curry's contract. Yeah. yeah. They know about how much they're getting for the sneaker deal. They know what lawyer did it. But ask them about their contract. Right. And ask them about these lawyers. About, ask them about Arthur Schwartz and Barbara Dinehart. Ask them who's, who's the head of their department. <laughs> you go get, this, this is what you go get. <laughs> Crickets. Yeah. No, and it's sad. It's funny, but it's yeah. it's what they say. It's sad, but it's, it's true. It's sad, but it's true. Yeah. It's sad, but it's true. Exactly. These these people know more about these these athletes, these rappers. They good. They ain't got a union. They getting a whole bunch of money. That's right. But you over here shucking and jiving, and you only care when your ass is at two Broadway, and nobody's there to help you. Like, I'm saying this now. If you never reposted a progressive action show, if you never invited nobody to the group. If you never put nobody on, do not call me asking me to help you because you ain't helped me when you, when you ain't need the help. I'm only interested in helping people who don't need the help right now. That's it. By the time you get in trouble, it's too late. Because if you was listening to the show, you would have avoided it. Follow the rules. I have no problem following TA rules. You want me to point? You want me to close down the rear first? Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Spin around like Michael Jackson first. I'm not going to do point. that. I'm not shucking the job. <laughs> I'm, I'm not shucking and jiving. But if it's in the rules, you say you like following the rules. <laughs> we not go play the if game. We go play the real game, what they got in their rules. I, I'm, I'm not shucking and jiving with them. Because right. this is, the, when, when Toussaint said plantation justice, he wasn't bullshitting when he said that. No, he wasn't playing. He wasn't no. playing at you all. You know what I'm saying? They treating us, come on, they just did the, the public flogging at Stillwell. You know what I'm saying? That wasn't funny. People was going up to that board like it was a casket. 
and leaving out of here sad and then expect us to be smiling, be jolly with passengers. How can we do that? We, we come to the crew rooms to get away, eat our lunch, have a peace of mind from the road. But meanwhile, you over there got some bullshit hanging up, reminding us of, of, of stupid shit. And, and where do we get a peace of mind? You don't let us close our eyes to, to, to sleep, to take a nap, which I don't understand. That's another, yeah, that's another crazy rule. You know, here it is, you have people to where you stress safety and you, and you have a rule that says you can't sleep on the clock or on the property. Like, you know, out in, the, in other transportation systems and companies across the country, they basically promote you to get rest. They have quiet. They have rooms specially for that. Yeah. Now, now my thing is, you don't have to. You don't have to create a room here in transit. You don't have to create space for that. But uplift and come up off of that rule. And, and another thing, you extra, extra, or extra list. The crew office don't keep you near your house. They send you to West Bubblefuck somewhere. And then when you get off, transit thinks that you teleport straight to your bed, <laughs> straight to sleep. Right. And 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 the, and the night is over. First of all, y'all. This job robs us, robs us of family time. So a lot of people got kids. We go home, we might want to talk to our child, wake our child up out of sleep, check their homework, make sure it's right. Nobody goes home and goes straight to bed. No, because my son... You got to at least shower, you got to eat. Yeah. You may want to kiss on your girl. You may want to do whatever. I'm up another two hours, not me specifically, but you know, another person may be up another two hours just doing family stuff. And then got to be to work six hours later. What's, what's the problem? I got a, a little break. I'm resting my eyes for 15 minutes. An eight-hour turnaround. That's right. You know, they expect you to, right, it, it, you know, commute home and then sit, sit there and then go right to bed like a kid. And then you still have to get up and get yourself ready to come back to work. And now you, so basically it's like how much time are you spending at home? But think about this. Now, like you said, you go to bed. You can't even sleep comfortable because you're thinking about if you oversleep, you're going to be put out of service when you wake up hey, the next wall. morning. Yeah. Hey, wall, exactly. <laughs> you know, so that's it's crazy. This man. job is very stressful, man. If, right, but it's only stressful because of the rules and it's only stressful because of the disciplined machine that it is. They, see, look, this is the thing. They can have the rules. Give us more. Why the quotas for AVAs haven't went up with the workforce, with the growth in the workforce? Right. You know what I'm saying? Why we can't why can't I put five AVAs together if I earned it and I got it to go with my um my RDOs? It's outdated. Yeah. Give me my outdated. give me my time. Yeah, I need peace of mind. You, they don't understand. This is New York City. These trains ain't running in heaven. Most of the people we encounter is, is, isn't even nice. And then as soon as the service is jacked up, they see the uniform, they attack you. Don't attack me. That's why I put the article out in progressiveaction.info. Right, and then it's a you know to, to touch on the article you put out about women on the job in transit. Yeah, you know that's another thing, another reason why I talked about um, more AVAs and more OTO time. You know, increasing the banks because they allow the women to be pre you know pregnant women who get pregnant on the job to work all the way up to they have the baby. Yeah, which I, is, I've seen. I've seen some sisters, you know, the stomach is like out here. Yeah. It's like they look, look like they're nine months, but they're in their seventh and eighth month, and they're still on the job, and that's not cool. That's good, because look at that conductor that got assaulted in the Bronx yeah. with that cop. What they're doing is that they're giving these pregnant women platform jobs, 
Like it ain't no danger there. Right. Like yeah. it's not no danger there. Yeah, we got to do a show strictly on women's issues. Oh yeah, you know, very they, soon. Yeah, definitely. You know, they allow um, female bus operators again to work all the way up until the eighth and ninth month, and you're hitting potholes and and you're hitting stressful situations. So it's like that's not good for the baby. So that's what I mean when I say that's why. Okay. In addition to what's coming up the pike with the um, state legislature, with um, you know getting this um, six weeks or twelve no no excuse me the twelve weeks um, maternity paternity leave, right? If we had extra AVAs and OTO time, then women could hook that up in those in those last in the, in the last, last month or two the, in the last trimester mm-hmm. before they're ready to have the baby. Yeah. That way you don't have to. That way you and and then if they want to play stupid about quotas. Hey, we have FMLA already. Yeah. So there you go. No, but now you, you know? take it right. you take it to your union rep. Oh, we don't want to do it because now management may decrease the time. You better be happy you got a job. Yeah. You know the bullshit. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie, this is the fastest this two hours has, has ever went for me. Yeah, it's it's one of the felt like it's <laughs> felt like it fly. We gotta have y'all back together. Okay, sure. No, sure. I mean, this this went by too quick, but we want y'all to leave them with a quick word yeah. before y'all leave. I'll, Start with Shauna. With you, Shauna. Get involved. Um, like I said, I, I'm new to the e-board, but I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to do do the work. And being involved is very, very important. It's not about just coming to work and going home. You have to play a role in your union. You have to play a role in keeping it alive and making sure that the people that you elected to represent you do just that. You know, and, and the only way you can do that is to get involved and to do your part. Get involved, people. <laughs> no more crickets. Yeah. That was good, Shauna. <laughs> Damn, Mike. Well, to kind of echo a little bit of what Shauna says, I think, yeah, it's important for, for folks to get involved, uh, be involved in the process, be involved in terms of what affects your life because the amount of time that we spend on our jobs here in the workplace you know, we spend more time here on the job than we do in a, at home in most cases. So you really want to get it, you know, play an active role in that. Uh, that's, that's good. What you want to say, cuz, before we go real quick? Well, like I said, as usual, um, to piggyback off of that, uh, the newer members basically do need to, you know, get themselves an education and don't just look at, to the elected officials. You know, just like in life, you know, you look to the president, you look to whoever's in Congress, you look to all these elected officials to make life better for you. But no, you have to make life better. You have to work collectively with people to make life better for yourself. And the same thing goes on the job, you know, with, with the union and everything. We have to, you have to work collectively with everybody to make life better on the job because the elected officials can't always get things done. Us as members and us as shop stewards, can get things done and can even have a better, more of a better impact because we're not subject to the status quo of being elected. Okay, so that's what I mean. They say we could go to, you know, we could round up a group of people in a truck or whatever and go up to Albany and lobby the people to try to get things done. You know, or you know, you could come up to the Progressive Action Show and sit down and listen, or you could chime in and email one of us with ideas, and we could put it up on the website. It will give you the credit, you know. So that's what I mean. Let's say it's a variety of things that could be done, 
to get, uh, you know, for the members to get involved. And that's all I have to say. All right. I would like to thank our guests, Shauna Robinson, Mike Staten, for coming through. We need y'all to uh, join the Progressive Action Facebook group. Check out the website, progressiveaction.info. Um, Facebook, I mean, t- Instagram, Progressive Action, Twitter, Progressive Act. That was our show for today. Thanks for coming out. Peace, people. Thanks for having me. No doubt.